Welcome to the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast. For more information, visit centralbaptistchurch.ca. We have lots of verses coming out of Proverbs this morning. After all, God has a lot to say on the subject of pride and humility. So our first one is Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Proverbs six sixteen to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Proverbs eight thirteen, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs twelve fifteen, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs fifteen thirty one: The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Proverbs fifteen thirty three: The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Sixteen verse five: Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Chapter sixteen verses eighteen to nineteen: Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. 25 verse 27, It is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. And then this one's found in James chapter 4 verse 6, But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, I was going to say some comments about how it's been one year, but I think enough has probably been said on that already, (laughs) so we will get to move along. Probably looking forward, though, the one thing I'm grateful of is it seems like the end is within sight, uh, the way everything is going, so I could not be happier. Uh, I cannot wait for the day when we can come back together again and be rejoicing, singing, praying, all that stuff together, and it seems like that end is coming Hopefully, in the pretty near future, we just got to be patient a little bit longer. Uh, If you are just joining us, though, maybe just joining in with our central family, we have been doing a series through the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, as we've been saying many times, is about growing in wisdom. Wisdom is something we all need. It's a skill that you got to grow in. You don't just have it inherently. Uh, You have to grow in it. And wisdom is the skill of being able to navigate kind of the many complex situations that we face in life. Navigating it in a way that honors God, in a way that makes your life go well, and of course in a way that keeps you from totally making a disaster of your own life through foolish decisions. And if you've been reading through the lines, we haven't really nailed this yet, so I'm going to hit it up now. If you've been reading through the lines, you'll have seen that Proverbs says that wisdom is not so much of a how-to thing. I mean, that's the kind of culture we live in, isn't it? We want five easy steps to becoming a wise person. That would be a great self-help book, right? Uh, we, want, we want techniques. We want methods. We want action plans. That's the way our culture often works. And yet, Proverbs says that becoming wise is not so much about learning the right techniques as it is about becoming the right kind of person. 
Not so much techniques, but becoming the right kind of person. And of course, that makes a lot of sense because life is terribly complex. I mean, just imagine trying to write a book that would deal with every single situation in life and then here's the problem, here's what you should do about it. That, that book would be billions of pages long. Nobody could read it, let alone memorize it and put it into practice. So right there, we should begin to learn that wisdom is not something that you can just memorize a certain amount of steps or techniques and then you'll be wise. No, right from that little simple way of putting it, Proverbs says that wise people have grown in wisdom in such a way that they can read each and every situation that they come across and they have the ability to discern what's the right thing to do in this particular situation. So that's why becoming wise has a lot to do with character, with our personal character. Uh, We can see this obviously. I mean, a wise person, as we saw a few weeks ago, is patient, Patient because the opposite is foolishness, which is filled with anger, and anger destroys a person's life. So growing to become the right kind of person who is patient is wisdom. Or as we saw a few weeks ago, wise people are thankful and they're content with where God has them in life. They're not filled with bitter envy towards where God has other people in life. So being content and thankful is the right kind of person. It makes you wise to be able to deal with situations. So if you want to be able to make wise decisions in life, then Proverbs says one of the greatest keys is becoming the right kind of person. As soon as we begin to talk about that, there is one character trait, one character trait that stands out almost above all the other character traits, and that is humility. Humility. Everywhere. The book of Proverbs says that pride is foolish, and yet we're all so filled with pride, and yet pride makes us foolish, and foolishness leads us to make wrong decisions that ruin our own lives and that ruin the lives of other people. And that is why humility is one of the greatest character traits of a wise person. So, for instance, look at Proverbs 16, 19. It is better to be of a lowly or humble spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. So far better that you didn't have very much money, but you are humble amongst humble people, even amongst those who are poor, than to have mansions and yachts and amazing vacations and to be partying with all the proud people of the world. Humility, that verse is saying, is one of the greatest things that you can have in life, far better than any other wealth. The importance of humility is, uh, I think, driven home by a, a famous ancient story about a, a guy who is very good at public, public speaking. <laughs> you like I just messed up that word? That was good. Public speaking? He was very good at it. He was gooder than everybody else. <laughs> so this guy, it's a bunch of people came to him and they said, we want to learn how to be really great at public speaking, unlike your pastor. And so they said, what is the, the first rule of being a great public speaker? Tell us. And he answered, delivery. It's how you say what you want to say that is so important because you can have the best thing to say in the world, but if you bore your listeners, it's totally useless. They said, great, got it. What's the second most important thing that we need to learn if we want to become great public speakers? And he answered, delivery. Well, they 
We kind of wanted to learn a little more than just the one thing. Said, okay, said, fine. What's the third most important rule in public speaking? And again, he answered, delivery. Reflecting on this, the famous early church leader, Augustine, said, if you were to ask me, what is the great principle of Christianity, the heart of the Christian message, and what it means to live the Christian life? Ask me what is the greatest rule? He says, I will answer first, humility. Second, humility. And third, humility. So today, what I want to do is to try to help us to grow in wisdom by, on the one hand, killing the pride in our hearts that makes us foolish, and the other hand, cultivating a heart of humility. We all need to grow in this. I need to grow in this. So let's grow together. And I want to do this in three parts today. First of all, we'll talk about why you should kill pride in your life. Secondly, then, how to cultivate humility kind of generally over your lifetime with some specific areas. And then finally, how to cultivate humility on a daily basis. Little things you can do throughout the day to cultivate a humble heart. So in the first place, let me show you why you should kill pride in your heart. Notice I did not say why you should just be careful of pride in your heart or something like that. I use the word kill. Now, are you, does that sound overly dramatic? Way to make a huge dramatic point. Is it really that big of a deal? Oh, yes, it is. According to Proverbs, according to the rest of the Bible, pride is not just some little thing that has a bit of danger in our lives. Pride is something that is our greatest enemy. It is deadly serious. And so that's why I use the word kill. I'm thinking particularly of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament where he says that by the Spirit, we are to put to death things like pride in our life. He didn't say, you know, kind of just put them down, make sure you be careful. No, put them to death. Kill them. You must get rid of them. So Proverbs gives at least two reasons why you should be serious about this and why we should seek to kill pride in our hearts. So let's look at Proverbs, what it has to say. Here's the first reason you should kill it, because God hates it. God hates pride. Again, that's huge language, hates. Do we have to be so dramatic? Well, let's see what Proverbs has to say. Proverbs 6, verse 16 says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven things that are an abomination to him, and topping the list is the very first one in verse 17, haughty eyes. That's not really a word we use a lot. Prideful eyes. It's eyes that you can see when you look at someone, they think very highly of themselves, looking down at other people. Eyes that are filled with pride, and then he will go on to list uh, six other things on top of that. But heading the list are eyes that reveal a prideful heart. Or listen to Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech. God says, what? I, I don't really like? I prefer you not to use? No. Pride and arrogance, I hate. That's not clear enough. Proverbs 16, verse 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. I don't think I'm being overly dramatic to use words like kill and hate. Because that's exactly what Proverbs is saying. Why should we kill pride? 
because God hates it. If you're a prideful person, you're making yourself an enemy of God. And these scriptures are saying God will oppose you. The almighty creator will be against you if you have pride in your heart. Now, it's not saying we're, to be clear, we're not talking about the good sense of pride that you might feel over a job well done. There's a good sense of pride we could talk about, but I think we all know kind of the distinction there. We're talking about pride that makes self the center, that exalts self, that has a, too high of an opinion of self. It's pride, of course, that causes us, people in culture, anybody, to just ignore our creator and to live as if our creator doesn't exist. That's pride. It's pride that says, I will live my life how I want to live my life, and no one is going to tell me what to do. It's pride that boasts about what we have accomplished, as if we did it all on our own. It's pride that exalts ourselves and lives for ourselves. Now, if pride wasn't so deadly, it would actually be tragically funny. So I was thinking about this. I was imagine, imagine that we were, all, everyone right now, you're listening, you're tuning in. Imagine we were all aliens, and we got to come to planet Earth, and we could make ourselves invisible, and we were just going to watch the human species for a little while. What would we observe about the human species? I mean, if we could travel from the farthest reaches of space, we're clearly a powerful species. And so when we looked at humans, I think we'd say, Man, come check out these human creatures. I mean, look at, the, look at how pathetically weak they are. They have to breathe, like every second, just to stay alive. Always having to breathe. They can't go underwater very long. They can't go out into space like we can. they got to breathe every few seconds. Oh, and look at this. Look at these. Look at this hilarious. When it gets dark out, they all have to lay down on this flat surface and spend a third of their life sleeping because they're so weak, they can't even stay up for 24 hours at a time. Oh, and then they have to drink water all the time. They're constantly having to drink. If they go even three days without it, their bodies will just die. What a, what a weak species these human beings are. And yet, what else would they observe? What would we observe of the human species? Oh, we'd also observe, look at how they boast. They boast in how strong and powerful they are. The ones that have to spend a third of their lives in bed. Look at how each single individual human being acts as if they're the sun and everybody else are planets that should orbit around them and take care of their needs and pay careful attention to them all the time. Look, most shockingly of all, at how they ignore the Creator. They ignore the Creator as if He doesn't exist, as if they don't get their life and everything else from the Creator. And even worse, they disobey their Creator. They shake their fists in the face of the Creator and say things like, I'll live life how I want to live. No one's going to tell me what to do. I mean, if we were aliens sitting watching ourselves, watching the human species, it would be tragically funny about how much pride there is in us as a species considering how weak we are and yet how great we like to think of ourselves. Pride is the very definition of an anti-God state of mind. Pride is what made the devil the devil, wanted to be greater than God himself. Pride is what led Adam and Eve to say, we can become wise and become our own gods. Pride is at the heart of all of this, and that is why. Proverbs says, if you want to be a wise person, you need to have the same heart as God. You need to kill this pride. It is utter foolishness to have a proud heart before your creator and before other people.
So the first reason to kill pride, very simple, God hates it. There's a second reason Proverbs says we should kill it, and it's because pride will destroy you. So your own self-motivation, if you need this, here is probably the one verse in Proverbs that everybody knows. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. As we all, we would just shorten it and say pride before a fall, right? Everybody knows. It's the one proverb every single person knows. This happens in the smallest of ways. You know, on the playground, one kid boasts about, I'm the fastest kid in the class. And so a bunch of others say, prove it. Let's run a race. So they run the race and the kid who boasted it comes in seventh place and he's humbled, right? Pride before a fall. It happens on a simple level, but then it gets more and more serious the more you go up. We had a friend, for instance, a a woman who was married, and she began hanging out with another man who was not her husband, and numerous people came alongside her and said, you shouldn't be texting someone who's not your husband all the time. You shouldn't be hanging out with a man who's not your husband all the time. She was warned over and over again, and yet she disregarded everybody's warnings, and of course, it led to an affair. Pride goes before destruction. You see, even in the highest level now, there's just the the smaller level, there's the more serious, and then there's the ultimate level of pride in our own hearts before God. Let's think really big picture here. This is the reason why Christianity, true Christianity, is on the one hand the hardest thing in the world to accept and embrace, and yet on the other hand is the easiest thing in the world to accept and embrace. For instance, true Christianity is hard, very hard. It's almost impossible for a proud person to accept because people choke on the idea that they are sinners as if they would ever deserve judgment. They say, I don't need somebody to save me. I'm a good enough person. I wouldn't say that I'm a sinner. I certainly don't deserve judgment. It's a prideful heart that says, I do not need Jesus to save me. Proud people always find it impossible to kneel. It's the definition of pride. Pride can never kneel. Pride refuses to bow the knee before its creator and admit, I have sinned against you and I need mercy. Pride will not do that. If there is one verse that might be inscribed on the gates, around the gates of hell itself, it might just be Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's why Christianity, true Christianity, is impossible. It's so hard to accept and embrace for so many people. But listen, on the flip side, true Christianity is the easiest thing in the world to accept. Easiest in the world because true Christianity says as soon as you drop your pride, as soon as you say, oh, I have sinned against my creator. As soon as you see, I I, I do deserve judgment. And you come before God himself and you say, is there any hope for somebody like me? Is there any way that I could have mercy? And then God says, oh, yes, there is. I sent my son into the world. He went to the cross to die for the sins that you committed. He was punished in your place. And all you have to do is just kneel before him, give him your life. You get complete forgiveness, and even better than that, I'll give you eternal life with me. You escape judgment. You escape hell. You get eternal life with me forever and ever. Do you want that gift? I mean, if you've been humbled, if your heart is humbled, 
and God says that to you, it's the easiest thing in the world to accept. I mean, it's like asking a starving man if he would like a freshly baked loaf of bread. It's like asking a scuba diver who's run out of oxygen if she'd like to borrow your regulator to take some breaths. Easiest thing in the world. If you drop your pride and say, oh, I have sinned. I need someone to save me. Is there anyone? And the message is, oh, yes, there is. His name is Jesus. Bow the knee to him, and he will save you. As Jesus himself said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So there's the more negative side of this morning's message. Two reasons why you and I should kill pride in our hearts. We've got to kill pride because God hates it and because it will destroy our lives both in the short term and in the long term of eternity. But now what I want to do is take the rest of the time on the positive side. The positive side of how, okay, so we, we want to kill pride, but how do we positively kind of cultivate a heart of humility? Always killing pride, always seeking to grow in humility. This is what will make us wise. Because a humble person admits they can't see everything clearly. And that's the first step to becoming wise in, in your own life is to say, I can't see everything clearly. I need help. Okay, I need other people to help me. I need to receive correction from others. I need God to teach me. The only way you'll ever see clearly to navigate the many complex situations that you and I will face in life is to humble yourself, to open yourself up to other people helping you, and of course, to God. So how do we cultivate humility? I read a great little book once called Humility uh, by an author named C.J. Mahaney. I'm going to borrow a few of his thoughts and add a whole bunch of my own as well. So let's come to the second point now, and we'll talk about this, which is how to cultivate humility, specifically right now, over a lifetime. Okay, so, so three big things to focus on over your lifetime to cultivate humility. First of all, study the attributes of God. Study the attributes of God. Now, why would I say that? Well, if you've been with us for a while, remember Proverbs says the key to wisdom is to grow in what? Do you remember now? The fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. So Proverbs is always connecting the fear of the Lord and humility. For instance, Proverbs 25, 27. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Notice, humility and the fear of the Lord, they're almost like synonyms used here. They're just completely linked together. Proverbs 15:33 says basically the same thing, linking these two. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Remember, the fear of the Lord does not mean being scared of God. It's fear, fear always controls us, but there's a good sense in which fear can control us. Negatively, we all know this, you're, you're, what you fear controls you. I mean, if you're scared of spiders, for instance, uh, you'll be terrified always of dark corners and, and rooms and wherever else, I don't know, wherever you can find spiders. It will control you. Positively speaking, though, there's fears that can control us in a good way. I mean, We could give all kinds of examples, but the ultimate is God himself. God is worthy to be worshipped. We are to grow in our awe of him so that, listen, the fear of the Lord means the existence of God controls every part of your life. It's the controlling factor 
of your life. You so in awe of him, you know him in such a way that who he is begins controlling every part of your life. Tiny parts, big parts, all of the parts. So to fear God means you stand in awe of him and who he is, and this influences every part of your life. So then, the big question is, how can we grow in the fear of the Lord? How can we grow in who God is, understanding him, so that who he is does begin to become the controlling factor of every part of our life? Well, the obvious answer is, you got to know who God is. you got to know what God is like. And there's almost no better place to begin than to study his attributes, what he is like. This will kill pride in your heart and cultivate humility, for you'll see your creator in all of his glory. So let's just do this together right now, just for one minute, okay? This is the the mini version of what I'm suggesting you do over a lifetime, and I'll give you some more practical tips in a moment. Let's just think about one attribute of God, and I'm thinking specifically of his attribute of self-existence. Self-existence, that is the fact God does not depend on anyone else for life He has life in himself. That's one of his attributes. Let's read a quotation from the late theologian R.C. Sproul. Here's what he writes about this attribute. The grand difference between a human being and a supreme being is precisely this. Apart from God, I cannot exist. Just let this humble you. Let it kill your pride. Apart from me, God does exist. God does not need me in order for him to be. This is the difference between what we call a self-existent being and a dependent being. We are dependent. We are fragile. We cannot live without air, without water, without food. No human being has the power of being within himself or herself. We are like flowers that bloom and then wither and fade. This is how we differ from God. God does not wither. God does not fade. God is not fragile. So you learn about God's self-existence. Then you just take this into your heart. You meditate on it. That single attribute would kill so much pride in our hearts, wouldn't it? Cultivate so much humility. Oh, God, I need you just to breathe my next breath. So in your lifetime, spend some time studying the attributes of God. One of the best books I would recommend for you to do this with would be J.I. Packer's famous book, the late J.I. Packer, sadly just passed away a little while ago, Knowing God. Uh, Pick that book up, spend some time going through it, work it through slowly. There's many books on the attributes of God, but I recommend that one for you. Over your lifetime, study the attributes of God. Second way to cultivate humility would be this. Reflect on the wonder of the cross. Over your lifetime, keep reflecting on the wonder of the cross. Listen to the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said this, There's only one thing I know of that crushes me to the ground and humbles me to the dust, and that is to look at the Son of God and especially to contemplate the cross. And then he quotes the great hymn, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and I pour contempt on all my pride. He says, nothing else can do it. When I see that I am a sinner, that nothing but the Son of God on the cross can save me, I'm humbled to the dust. 
Nothing but the cross can give us this spirit of humility. Because when you're before the cross, you're saying, why is Jesus on the cross? Why is he dying this horrible death? Answer, because of your sin, because of my sin, the incarnate Son of God had to die this horrible death, which means we ought to be humbled. We are not the good and the great people we think ourselves We are sinners, and it took a great price for us to be saved. But then on the other side, when we're humbled, that humility also then brings us into total acceptance for the Son of God delighted to do this for us. The ultimate example of humility is Philippians 2, that Christ humbled himself and became a man and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's why we are to follow his example. As we reflect on the cross, we're cultivating humility. We're seeing, oh, he lowered himself, humbled himself to seek my best interest. Oh, that melts the heart. It cultivates humility. And then you say, I want to do that for others. I will intentionally put myself under other people to build them up, to grow them, to make them great. I'll follow the path of Christ. So if you want to cultivate humility, reflect on the wonder of the cross. And then third, over your lifetime, do this. Receive correction from others. This is a hard one, but this is really important. Listen to Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool, a fool, not a wise person, a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man or a wise woman listens to advice. Wow. There's a proverb for you. The fool thinks that they are always right. Now listen to Proverbs 15.31. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise will dwell among the wise. Cultivating humility means listening to others, even when they give us criticism which we do not like to hear. Now, of course, we got to be careful with this. Some people just totally lack tact. Some people are just mean. Of course, we're not going to listen to everything they say, but as we say in our English language, there's often a, a grain of truth in there. Is there a grain of truth that I can humble myself and learn from, or is this just person totally mean and I should reject everything they say? You've got, you got to contemplate. That takes wisdom. But listen, you can see pride in your heart when somebody who loves you corrects or reproves you, and what do you do in that moment? Here's one of the greatest signs that you have pride still in your life. What do you do when somebody who loves you corrects you? Do you say to them, Oh, thank you so much for being willing to share so honestly with me. Please, tell me more. I've been totally blind to this. Please, would you explain that further to me? (laughs) That's not usually what we do, is it? No, our pride comes in. And we justify ourselves. We justify our words. We justify our attitudes. And then we flip it around on them and say, actually, you're the mean one for even trying to correct me. There's the sign of pride in your heart and my heart. Oh, but we need humility. Humility would say, all right, swallow your pride. Maybe there's something that can learn. This person does love me. They're looking out for my best interest. Maybe not 100% of what they say is accurate, but surely I can take something here. This is so vital because other people can see us in ways we cannot. Listen to this story. As I sat with my family at a local breakfast establishment, I noticed a finely dressed man at an adjacent table. 
His Armani suit and stiffly pressed shirt coordinated perfectly, perfectly with his tie. His wingtip shoes sparkled from a recent shine. Every hair was in place, including his perfectly groomed mustache. The man sat alone eating a bagel as he prepared for a meeting. As he reviewed the papers before him, he appeared nervous, glancing frequently at his Rolex watch. It was obvious he had an important meeting ahead. The man stood up, and I watched as he straightened his tie and prepared to leave. Immediately, I noticed a blob of cream cheese attached to his finely groomed mustache. He was about to go into the world, dressed in his finest with cream cheese on his face. I thought of the business meeting he was about to attend. Who should tell him? Should I? What if no one did? Why should we receive correction from others? Because our pride deceives us. We who can so easily, oh, and we can so easily point to the cream cheese on somebody else's face, we can do that so easily, we're largely oblivious to the cream cheese on our own face. Here's a hard fact to come to terms with. Your flaws are obvious to just about everyone else but you. And I say that of myself too. As Paul Tripp says, my self-perception is about as accurate as a carnival mirror. You know those curvy mirrors where it distorts you? Our our self-perception is distorted. That's why we need other people to help us to cultivate humility. We cultivate humility by asking others to help see ourselves. We're blind to ourselves. So here's a practical suggestion for you. Go to someone you love and you trust this week and say these words to them. Say, I want to ask you a question and I promise not to get upset by how you answer. And to make sure you follow through with that. And here's the question. Can you clearly define one or two areas where you think I need to grow? Now, how are you feeling about that practical suggestion? You you already made your decision, I know. And most of us are saying, I'm not doing that. When's he getting to the next point? Let's move along. That desire that just immediately came up in you that just said, I'm not doing that, that's pride. That's the refusal to say, I'm not putting myself in the position. Now, I didn't say go to someone who's your enemy and do that. That would be foolish. But somebody who loves you, who's wise, who has your best interest at heart, why would we not want to humble ourselves and say, hey, can you help me see myself? Just one area. Give me half an area where you think I need to grow. Think on that this week. That will cultivate humility, and it will make you a much wiser person. So there's three things you could focus on over your lifetime. Study the attributes of God, reflect on the wonder of the cross, and receive correction from others. Big picture stuff over your lifetime. But let's get even more practical now. And the final thing I want to talk about is this. How to cultivate humility on a daily basis. Just in one day of your life. How can you do this throughout the day through little things? It begins right when you wake up in the morning. It's a decisive moment. First of all, Begin your day by acknowledging your dependence upon God. Here's the opposite of that. (laughs) Don't pick up your phone soon as you slip out of bed in the morning. Rather, begin by acknowledging your dependence on God. Posture yourself before God and say, Father, 
as I begin this day, I need you. I am dependent upon you for everything. I need your help. Put Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 into practice right away. The famous words from Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Don't go into your day leaning on your own understanding. Rather, in all your ways, everything that's before you in the day, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Second, begin your day by expressing thanks to God. Author Michael Ramsey says this, thankfulness is a soil in which pride does not easily grow. That's so true, isn't it? Ungrateful people are often very arrogant people. They think they deserve absolutely everything. They think the world revolves around them. Thankfulness, rather, when you, when you begin to give thanks, you're posturing yourself and saying, God, this comes from you. I thank you for this day. You've given me this. I'm not pr- proud in what you've given me. Uh, I don't think I'm so great. I just want to give thanks because you've given me this job. You've given me gifts. You've given me these things. Thank you so much. Third, begin your day with spiritual disciplines. By spiritual disciplines, we mean disciplines you do every day, like Bible reading, a time of prayer. Listen again. Don't pick up your phone right away. If you want to grow in humility and grow in wisdom, think about this. What are we actually doing? If we pick up our phones and we start scrolling social media right away, what are we saying? We're saying entertainment is the first thing I need to learn about in my day. If it's even just news, news, I want to see what's going on in the world. If we begin our jobs immediately, right away, just cup of coffee, get straight to it. We're not posturing ourselves rightly for the day. What we want to begin with is to say, No, I don't want to act like I've got it all figured out because that's what we're doing. If we jump right into our work, we're saying, I got this. I just got to work hard and I can make life work. Why not rather begin your day by saying, God, I need you. I got a lot of work ahead of me today. I need you. I I got this situation and this one. I want to lay that situation before you that I have to do. This meeting, this difficult person I have to talk to, this task that needs to get done. God, I need you to give me the right heart to relate to people. I need you, you could go on for some time like this. This is the way you cultivate humility, even physically kneeling before God and just saying, I begin this day by humbling myself before you and expressing my great need for you to lead me in all things. Then as you go into your day in the fourth place, cast your anxieties on God throughout the day. Whenever something comes up that's difficult, humble yourself and seek him. Here's the great verse from 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves therefore under God's should be mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Okay, Peter, how do we actually do that? How do we humble ourselves under your hand? How, how should we do that, Peter? Here it is. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So whatever's coming up in your day that's hard, that's causing you a lot of stress, immediately just send up a quick prayer. Father, this is hard. I'm humble in myself. I need your grace in this situation. Casting my anxieties upon you. Then fifth, you're coming towards the end of the day. Transfer all glory to God at the end of the day. If you were walking by a pond or a lake and there was a fence there and you were walking by and you saw suddenly a turtle sitting on the top of a fence post, what would you think? You would not think turtles learned how to climb. You'd never think that. You would think to yourself, how did that turtle get up there? Who put that turtle up there? 
Who's the mean person who did that? Think of something along those kind of lines. That's exactly who we are, though, right? At the end of the day, as you lay your head down on your pillow, if anything went successful for you during the day, remember the turtle. You are the turtle. God is the one who's granted you success. God is the one who has gone before you. He's always the one who makes your path straight. So if he made your path straight and you find yourself on top of a fence post because things went well during the day, oh, at the end of the day, you just say, thank you, Father. As I, as I come to sleep now, thank you for that. Thank you for the ability that I did finish the task I prayed about this morning. Thank you that the meeting went well that I prayed about. Thank you for this. And you just give him all the glory for whatever went well during the day. And then finally... Receive the gift of sleep. Receive the gift of sleep as you lay exhausted just before you fall asleep. Realize that every day as you lay your head on the pillow, you are being forced to realize that you and I, we are not gods. We are not all-powerful. The very fact that we as human beings will spend a third of our lives in bed should be one of the greatest things that create humility in our hearts, should kill pride in our hearts. Oh, doesn't that show how? We don't just need like a 15-minute charge, you know, lay down 15 minutes, we're good to go again. No. You got to spend like eight hours in bed every day sleeping. Total shutdown. You can't even like multitask while you're sleeping. So receive the gift of sleep because sleep is a gift from God. It's meant to teach us things. It's meant to teach us that we are creatures, that we are in need of our creator to grant us strength, And we remember that our creator, according to Psalm 121, will neither slumber nor sleep. He never has to sleep. So as we fall asleep, we pray something like, Father, thank you for this gift. Thank you for the fact that I'm I'm so tired right now. It's a reminder that I am a creature and that you are the creator. Only you, O God, do not slumber or sleep, whereas I cannot go without it. Thank you for this gracious humbling and refreshing gift of sleep. So there you have it. The key to becoming wise is not just techniques, it's not methods, it's not another five easy step book. It's becoming the right kind of person. The most important character trait of a wise person is humility. So kill pride, cultivate humility, and you'll become the wise person who can look at the many complex situations that come into your life, and you will know how to respond to each and every one. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you right now, saying we're sorry for our pride when we've thought more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We're so grateful for Christ Jesus. You are the ultimate example of a humble person. Your humility in giving up your rights as God and becoming a man, dying on the cross for us who did not deserve it. That you put our, in, our interests above your own. What a tremendous, supreme example of humility. Jesus, make us more like you. Father, would you turn us more into the image of your Son, a man of tremendous, of ultimate, perfect humility. Work this in each one of us, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and gatherings, visit us at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Podcast. <laughs>